0: My name is Nathan Detweiler. I'm the senior pastor of this church. And last week we began a series in the book of Ephesians, which I arrived at along with the uh, prayers of the elders and some other people, uh, feeling that God is really leading us towards this book. And Esther couldn't agree more back there. She she loves Ephesians. She is speaking in tongues. Do we have a translator? Um, so speaking of which, we're so happy to have uh, babies in this church. This week we welcome a new church member, uh, Levi. Rowart, Becca and uh, Bert <laughs> had their baby this week. So it's very exciting. So pray for Levi and uh, for, for mom and dad as they recover. Next week I'll have a baby, so preemptive strike. Yay. We'll probably have a new baby next week, you know, if everything goes well. So we're going through this book of Ephesians, and uh, we're, learning to be a tr- we're looking at Ephesians in particular in regard to being a church body and what do we mean by church body? We're talking about the body of Jesus Christ. When Jesus left, he sent his Holy Spirit into the world, into all people, all believers, uh, to form his body on earth. And Jesus said it was better that he leave because then he'd send his spirit and then he would be incarnated again in his people in a larger body of the church. So we're learning to be a body, but not just anybody, we're learning to be Jesus' body. That's what we're learning to be. And what, what would a body be without the head? And the head of the body is Christ. And that's what we're learning about in Ephesians. How to be a body uh, with the head, who is Jesus Christ. How to operate as God's presence in the world. And as I thought about New Life Fellowship, this is our church. And this is is God's church, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying, let's take responsibility for this little piece of real estate. This is the local church. This is the expression of Jesus' body off Exit 15 on Old Gick Road. This is our church body. This is the body of Christ. And we need to take ownership of this little piece of real estate and and make sure that we grow in a healthy way into the head who is Jesus. We need to step it up. Because we are God's inheritance. We're his treasured possession. God has called us out of darkness into his great light to be Jesus' body. And that's what we're going to talk about in the sermon today. I'm really excited about it, but be thinking about it. Jesus works by pouring into individuals who, who make up the church, who then come together and form his body, who then are Christ to the world. This is our piece of real estate. Last week, uh, and again in the midweek email I sent, we talked about personalizing our identity in Christ. This is one of the ways that God is pouring into us this identity that he died to give us. And this is something. this is a good place to apply our effort. The effort that we apply to apprehend our identity that Jesus bought us through his death is minuscule compared to what it cost God to give us this identity. Jesus was God in the flesh, and he died on the cross so that we could have a new identity, so we could be a new person in Christ, a new creation. But we, but, so it's a gift. It's something we've been given. However, not, everyone, not every Christian apprehends this identity because it takes just a little bit of work. And I mean that in, in the context of what, what God did, which is an imma- immense amount of work, you know, becoming a person, dying on the cross for our sins, and all these things. A tiny little bit of work to look at what the Bible has to say, which is God's written word to us, and say, look at this, like Priscilla was saying in her faith story, that was excellent. This is God's word for us. This is who we are in Christ. And this is not a mantra, and this is not an uh, affirmation, like daily affirmations with Stuart Smalley. I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, gosh darn it, Jesus likes me, you know. Um, it's It's not like a daily affirmation. There's power when we apply what God has said in his written word to us as Christians, because God's powerful word, Jesus Christ, who spoke the world into existence, breathes life into his written word, and he actually transforms us with the same power that raised Jesus Christ to life through the Holy Spirit that he's given to each person who's sealed in Jesus. So this is not... Repetition and affirmation, this is asking God, apply this to me. And this is one of the ways we fill our cups. This is one of the ways we, as individuals fill our cups, and then when we come together, we look a lot more like Jesus uh, the next time we come together, every time we do this. Uh, this morning, uh, we're in Ephesians 1, 15 to 23, and this is a continuation of, of Paul's song of praise. It's called the doxology, Ephesians 1 to 210. Paul is singing a song of praise about what Christ has done. And this is the reason I, I told you guys to take to heart the identity God's given you from this particular passage. It's filled with the truth of who we are in Jesus. It's a huge blessing to, to read through that. Um, because it's a song of, of, uh, of uh, a blessing uh, from Paul about what we have in Christ, God has put it on my heart to write a song and put this, um, this text to song. And this is something I've never done in a sermon. But uh, I put this text to a song this week, and as I sang this song, I thought about all of you, and, and I, I thought about all of your faces, and I prayed this prayer for you all week as I wrote this song. And I just think that sometimes with, with a song, you can hear a little bit more of the intention of the author, uh, through the music, than you would just from reading it. So I just invite you to receive this as Paul's prayer for you, and also my prayer for you as your senior pastor, uh, that we would grow into this new identity uh, of being the body of Jesus Christ on this piece of real estate and new life fellowship. So this is Ephesians one 15 to 15-23.
1: I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of the saints. I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers. And I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you might know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, And His incomparably great power for us who believe. And I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you might know Him better you might know him better that power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in christ when he raised him raised him from the dead and sealed him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority power and dominion in every title that can be given not only in the present age but also in the earth you come, the earth to come. And God placed all things under His feet and appointed Him to be he head over everything for the church is his body the fullness of him who fills everything in every way and God placed all things under his feet under his feet and appointed him to be head for everything for the church his body He fills in every way. And I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, we we'll give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you might know him better. That you might know him better. For this reason, ever since I about your faith. your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may grant you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you might know him better that you might know him better
0: I'm just in prayer to God for all of you uh, that you would know him better this year and that we would know him better as a church because Jesus died to give us this thing we call the church and he didn't die so that we'd be a mediocre church who wasn't healthy and wasn't really growing Um, he died so that we could be the body of Christ at Exodus 15 at New Life for us this is our real estate so, uh, switching gears just a tiny little bit, this Christmas, I don't know if anyone else here got presents for Christmas. I got a present from my, my brother-in-law, and he gave me a present uh, of a book called Preaching by a very well-known author, and it's a book about preaching. So, what better gift for a preacher than a book about preaching? And uh, he, he gave a disclaimer and, and said, you know, this isn't because you're not a good preacher. Uh, Laughter. Oh, he, he said, but it's because you're going to be preaching a lot more now, and I want you to you know, have some resources, and you're probably going to want to look at something like this. My friend recommended it to me. I really appreciated it. It was, it was a great gift, and I've been leafing through it a little bit. I, I also gave him a gift called, a book called, How to Be a Better Brother-in-Law. <laughs> and not, not because he's not already a great brother-in-law, but because he's going to be my brother-in-law for a really long time. And uh, he might need to <laughs> look at the book. Part of that story is true. Actually, the the, the truth is he gave it to me and said, "This is because you stink." And then he said, "I'm just kidding." Yeah. great guy. So the book talks about the expository method of preaching, which I favor. And you're going to be super bored by this explanation. Um, expository preaching—I'll make it very brief. It's a great way of preaching through the Bible. Because you go, you don't get to choose um, what spin you want to put on the Bible. You don't get to choose which passages make you feel comfortable. You just go through the whole Scripture and you deal with it, <laughs> and that's good because uh, the you know we start analyzing and critiquing God too much. It can get you know not not good. Um, so so it's a great way to go through the Bible. And what you do is you read the text and you pray and you seek. What is the, the message of this block of text? And I actually did that with this, uh, this passage. And uh, you can see in yellow the chorus I, I made as the main point of the text. So you read it, you pray, you find that main point, And then you develop, from that main point, you develop supporting points that come out of that same text which support the main theme of the text. So it's a way to present the Word of God in its fullness. Um, and if I was, like I said, if I was to apply this method to today's passage... Verses 17 and 18 would absolutely be the thesis of this text, where Paul says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and the saints. This is this key Christian idea in this text, that we need the Holy Spirit in order to know God better. We need the Holy Spirit in order to know God better. And it's, it's completely central to our belief system. Uh, Jesus said, like I said earlier, it's better that I go because I'll be sending the Spirit. And then the Spirit is going to do certain things. What is the Spirit going to do? We're going to do a little bit of uh, systematic theology here. This is the work of the Spirit, uh, Colossians 1, 9-10, uh, this sounds very much like our Ephesians passage. It, it, it says, We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that your frail human mind gives. So the, that the Spirit gives, right? That the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. So what's central to this passage? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, according to this, gives wisdom and understanding so that we can live a life worthy of the Lord and to please Him. And the Spirit uh, allows us to bear fruit in every good work and grow in the knowledge of God. So, you know, the Holy Spirit's been given to us. The Holy Spirit is growing its fruit in our lives. Galatians uh, 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit, I believe. And uh, these are the things the Spirit cultivates in our lives. What else does the Spirit do? Uh, Jesus says of the Spirit, The advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name... We'll teach you all, the, all things and we'll remind you of everything I've said to you. So this is a catch-all. This is a catch-all, right? We'll teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said, said to you. So in particular, the Spirit lifts up Jesus in his teaching and reminds us of Jesus' teaching. That's the person that we follow, in case you're wondering. We're his body and all that stuff. Um, and also teaches us uh, everything. All things. That's a pretty amazing claim. And then later, uh, Jesus says, in John 16, and Jesus talks a lot about the Spirit in John, John, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. So the Spirit guides us also into all truth. So when we're reading the Bible, when we are looking for wisdom in life, it is the Holy Spirit who guides and leads us and guides us into all truth. And then our passage today, of course, uh, we have this, verse 17 and 18, that that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, will give us the Spirit, this is the Holy Spirit, of wisdom and revelation, it's the way the Spirit is named in the Scripture, that you might know God better. That the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you might know the hope to which he's called you. Who here would like to know God better in 2016? Yeah, it's okay. If you don't, if you don't really want to know God better, it's, good to, it's a gift to know that you don't want to know God better. Because then you, then you know what to pray about. I always think it's just as much a gift to know what you don't have as to, as to know what you need. Uh, it's much more of a gift to pray the truth. God, I honestly don't have much of a desire to know you. Could you change that about my heart in 2016? You know, that's a good prayer. But uh, this, is, this is a spirit that's given to us so that we can know God better. And uh, so what this text is saying is we know God somewhat. You can know him better through the spirit. No one who has lived yet in human history has fully apprehended the glory of God um, and who Jesus is, and plumbed the depths of God. There have been people that have gone really deep with God, but no one has gone as deep as you can go because there's infinite depth in our under, in our in our in the possibilities of coming to know God. An infinite amount of that's why people say heaven's going to be so boring because um, you know everything's just perfect. We're playing harps in the clouds. You know we see God good. That's what we thought. Good. That's not how it is. We can only guess that heaven will be one revelatory experience of God's glory after another. And just when you thought you got to the end of it, it will begin again for all eternity. And you will be in the presence of the Lord forever, and you will enjoy, and it will be enjoyable. We were created to glorify God and enjoy him forever into all eternity. And, and uh, there is more of God to come to know. This is something I say to you guys all the time. So, one thing that's probably poignant to mention, which is also po- possibly discouraging. When the Bible talks about... This is not discouraging. This is encouraging. Okay, When the Bible talks about us knowing God, it's not just an informational knowing. It's the same kind of knowing that a wife has with her husband and a husband has with his wife. It's an intimate knowing. The thing that's a little discouraging is the devil might have more knowledge of God than you. The devil might have more understanding of God's character than you. But the devil... I mean, look at, look at Jesus' temptation in the desert. The devil knows Scripture uh, fantastically. Um, he, he was like a Bible quiz whiz in devil school, I guess, you know. <laughs> he's probably knew chapter and verse. But the devil knows the Scripture, knows about all, all this knowledge about God more than we know, uh, even knows the character of God because he's witnessed it <laughs> firsthand. Uh, the God is a jealous God. There shall be no gods before him. That was kind of Satan's downfall there. So, but, but Satan does not have an intimate knowledge of God, not in the way the Bible talks about. We have to ask God for a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might know him better. We, and I love the way my, my friend and mentor, Rob uh, Reimer, talks about uh, our knowledge of God and what it needs to become. He says, The knowledge of God, in order to be intimate knowledge, where we know God, has to fall from the pavement of our mind into the soil of our hearts. How I love that quote. What a great image. Because so much knowledge ends up in the pavement and doesn't make it down to our hearts and transform our lives and bring us into this deep relationship with God. So that'll preach. That's an expository type sermon, right? But God took me further with this passage. And uh, God, God really led me. As I, as, after I wrote this song, I was singing it in the car and I was praying, and God just gave me three uh, different points to pull from this that I'm going to give to you as we close today. Um, in addition to what we've already seen, which is a feast in and of itself, uh, to, to pray for, to God for a spirit of, of wisdom and revelation that we might know him better, to say, this is a feast, to say, you know, I need to start praying that I would know God better. There's, there's a place where my human effort to know God falls short. I need the Holy Spirit to help me know God. This is a gift of a prayer that we have. Um, but God took me deeper, and God... Uh, led me to read this text in a little bit of a backwards way. Not backwards as an incorrect, but backwards chronologically of how it's written. And uh, the first thing that God brought to mind of these three points was God's credentials. So let's explore what this looks like. This is what I felt God said to me. God's God's credentials. This is the end of our passage. It says, that power of God is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand, that's the place of authority, in the heavenly realms above everything else. This is anything up, the heavens, anything up in the Bible means higher authority. You know, this is the highest authority at the right hand in the heavens, okay? Okay far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, far above all the minuscule powers of this world and the minuscule powers of the devil and, and, and Satan and, and any kind of fallen being or any kind of fallen anything, Jesus is exalted far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And God has placed everything under Jesus' feet. These are Jesus' credentials through that God gave him. Jesus has all authority, people. All authority. And I, I just love how thorough Paul is. Uh, any title that can be given, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. So Paul is like, you know, if there's anything in the future, also Jesus is above that. Jesus has all authority. Jesus has the credentials to get the job done. And, uh, and Jesus chooses how the job gets done. Um, this is God's credentials. The second point that God brought to m- me from this text was this idea of God's inheritance. It says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of whose inheritance? Of his glorious inheritance in the saints. This passage is not about our inheritance, although it talks about things that God's given us as gifts. This is about God's inheritance. God's inheritance is a reverse inheritance. We usually think about inheritance uh, being given from a parent and for our, for our cases today, we'll say, from a father who dies and passes on their resources to their kids. This is what we think of as an inheritance. God's inheritance in this text is in the saints. It's a reverse inheritance. God, uh, Jesus, who's God in the flesh, died on the cross, and then he rose again, and then God gets an inheritance of the saints that come to know him through Jesus Christ. We are God's inheritance. We are God's shining inheritance. Um... If you were given a huge inheritance, monetary or otherwise, perhaps property, uh, such as a house, what would, what would you do? What, what have you done? What do most people do with an inheritance? Live in it? Yeah, you can live in it? Spend it? I know a lot of people that have done, um, that have rented out places and have like income properties and that kind of thing. Uh, you, you basically position yourself in such a way that your inheritance will pay out for you and the people you love in some kind of way. And I know many people, I've heard many stories recently of people who have received an inheritance from a deceased parent and then taken thousands of dollars of their own money and invested it into that inheritance, particularly if it's a house or a property, so that they could flip it and sell it and then get a bigger investment out of that property. We are God's inheritance. We are God's possession and his treasure, and we were created for the praises of his glory. God was not created for us. God is uncreated. God created everything, and God himself is uncreated. We are created for God, to glorify God. It's all about God. It's all about him. He is the, he's the one who we are living for, and he, uh, we were created to glorify him, and we are his inheritance, that he is enjoying both in this age, and he will enjoy in the age to come. Our purpose is to glorify God and enjoy him uh, forever. And, and God's, we're his inheritance to enjoy now on this earth and also in the age to come. God will enjoy us forever, just as we enjoy him. Which leads us to the third point, which is God's provision. And this is the part that really just knocked my socks off. And God appointed him, Jesus, to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. So just like we take our inheritance and maybe invest some of our resources into it and flip it so it's going to be a big payout, God appointed Jesus to be head over everything for the church, for the church. This is like a to serve the church, to invest in the church, which is his body, Jesus' body, the fullness of Jesus who fills everything in every way. God, with all of his credentials has taken his inheritance and invested his provision of Jesus Christ into his inheritance in order that there might be a larger payout for him, that he might have a greater, um, a greater glorification of himself. That's what God has done. And it's all for God's glory, not for our glory, but we get to participate in it. I mean, this is a really exciting thing. And, uh, and uh, the picture that, that God has given me putting all of this together, uh, and particularly when I think and pray for New Life Fellowship, uh, God, we are God's inheritance. This is our, like I said earlier, this is our little piece of real estate in God's kingdom, New Life Fellowship. And we can take responsibility for this piece of real estate and say, let's, be, let's become an awesome inheritance for God. Let's become an awesome inheritance for God in the here and now, in, in this earth in which we live, and also an inheritance for God that he can enjoy forever. I don't think we're going to be segmented, segmented into this building in heaven and God's going to be like, oh, there's New Life Fellowship. But, we're going to become, together with everyone who's gone before us and everyone who will come after us, who puts their faith in Jesus Christ, a glorious inheritance for God to enjoy in heaven. And as far as it depends on us, this is our little piece of real estate. We need to seek God to, uh, to transform us into this inheritance that gives him greater and greater glory. And the, and the, the vision that God's given me of how this looks, and this is, this is uh, probably somewhat intriguing to you, seeing this bowl... It's a communication technique. You know, you're wondering, what's that bowl the whole time, right? So these cups represent the individuals of this church, right? And, these, and, the, and, and this bowl represents this church, okay? So I take these cups. I can't fit too many in here. This is just taken from the cupboard in the kitchen. It's not a special bowl I purchased. So imagine that you are one of these cups, okay? Okay? And you are situated in New Life Fellowship, this piece of real estate that God's given us, that we call home, that we invest our time, talents, and treasures into on a weekly basis. And he's just, this is all of us in this church. Some, if we were all here together, maybe close to 200 people, if we were all here together. This is what Jesus does. Um, Jesus is the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And Jesus has been appointed as head over everything for the church. This is what God does. Imagine, and this is going to be a big stretch of your imagination, imagine that I am God, okay? (laughs) That this water is Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the work that he does, which is unfathomable, and each of these represents one of you. This year we need to take hold of that for which Jesus Christ took hold of us for, and that's to be filled with him. And Jesus just begins to take us as individuals, part of this body. And he's aware that we're situated in New Life Fellowship. And so we put this full cup in New Life Fellowship. So that's one person seeking after God. Give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation that I might know you better, God. That's one person, right? And, and then someone else says, you know, I, got, I have a vision for growing in my relationship with Christ. I'm going to seek after God. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I surrender my life to you. I believe Jesus died for my sins. Use me in your kingdom. Show me how to minister before you and glorify you with my life. And that's another person who's given their life, their lordship over to God. Romans 12.1 says, um, offer yourself, in in view of God's mercy, in view of what God's done for us through Christ, forgiving our sins, um, offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So we offer our empty cups to Jesus. Fill us up, Jesus. He just keeps filling up individuals in the church. Pretty soon, you know, we start to notice there's kind of a pretty cool atmosphere in this church. Some people are really seeking after God. This is pretty awesome. We like this. Um, it makes it makes it easier. Actually, you kind of reach this point where there's a lot of people around you in this culture and, and everyone's like seeking after God really fervently and good conversations are happening. And uh, even if you're not like the type of person that goes for it on your own, so to speak, with God, you're kind of inspired because you're in a community where people are doing this and it's helpful to you. So you're like, praise God, we got some traction, we got some people... Put some more, more, uh, more. One, another person comes to follow Jesus. Then we have a visitor who comes in who doesn't know Jesus, and, uh, and they're just, in, they're like, these people are different. There's a whole group of people that are seeking after God. They're putting God first, they're making Him Lord of their lives. This is amazing. And, uh, this is really, I've never understood the gospel. This is me when I came to church at New Life Fellowship in 2001. I didn't understand the gospel. Pastor Bo, um, shared a gospel message and it led to my conversion to Jesus Christ and now I'm the senior pastor of this church. You know? so It's not really climbing the corporate ladder. It's, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't know what you call it. Um, but I came in June of 2001 with, with a group of people that, um, and, and, the, and we, I was working at a, a Christian camp, but I, was not, I did not know the grace of Christ. I did not had not received the gospel. I felt that God was profoundly displeased with me. Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't come to God. And I didn't know, I felt very depressed about it. Um, and I came to church, and Pastor Bo preached this message, that uh, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through Jesus Christ. And he talked about, there's some people that we think of as being so far away from God, you know, you got like Ted Bundy and all these horrible people, and you got these amazing saints, and we think of them as being so close to God, but the truth is, all of us are equally far away from God and in need of God's grace and forgiveness to draw near to God, that, you know, here's, you know, here's the righteousness of, like, the most righteous person you can imagine, and there's, there's God, like, over where Mike is, easy to imagine, right? Um... So here is here's the righteous, righteous, most righteous person that's ever lived, and there's God's, God's holiness, and there's this person's holiness, as if it could be plotted. And here's the most evil person that ever lived. You need like a huge magnifying glass to see even the difference, because God's glory and God's holiness is so great that it makes even our righteousness, our righteous deeds look like filthy rags compared to. It's all surpassing greatness. All of us are equally in need of the grace of God. I heard that message, and I was like, it's for me. Praise God. And there was no altar calls, Bo didn't really do altar calls very much, or I don't know if he ever did. I went forward awkwardly, and I grabbed onto his sleeve, and I just, I was like crying, and I was trying to impress these girls I was with. It wasn't, <laughs> you know, like, I really was. I was trying to impress them so they would like me because they were cute, and I wanted them to like me. And the, all that felt, I didn't even care about that. Because God was like profoundly pushing down on my life. God is pressing down on my life with his glory and with the truth that I can draw near to God through, through faith. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. And, and Bo prayed with me, and all I could muster was, I want to do things for God with my life. That's all I said. I offered myself to God, just a visitor, and I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and I got a call to ministry that night. And I, that's, that's what it is. And here I am today. Okay, so here we got... One, two, three, four, five, six people. It, we're, the atmosphere here is changing at New Life Fellowship, you know? And God is just pouring in. I'm still pouring into individuals here, okay? Um, you know, all the people in this church are being filled and they're seeking after God. They're, they're confessing their secret sins and darkness to God, which God's been aware of all along anyway. And he's like, why aren't you just telling me about this so I can help you with it? And it's killing you and it's ruining your family and your relationships with your friends and etc., etc. Okay, finally... All right, we're all sinners. We get it. Okay, we're all sinners. Uh, okay, fine. I'll just confess my sin. And, and um, Who confessed their sin to someone this week? I did. <laughs> Why not? Why live in darkness? Why walk around in darkness and shame and secrecy and have that pall of darkness over your life when God wants to set you free? Jesus is the light of the world. Uh, through confession, Jesus dwells richly within us as we confess... As we walk in the light, as Jesus is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sins. I, got, I confessed my sin this week, and I, and the person I confessed to said, he prayed with me and said, yeah, God forgives you. I'm like, yes, he does. Awesome. And now there's nothing between me and God. There's no sin between me and God. This morning, there's nothing between me and God. No darkness. Great. So here, we're all seeking after God, and he's filling all these individual cups, and you know, more people are coming and setting up some new folding chairs here. We're not, we're not talking about church growth here. We're talking about God, God filling the church with the Spirit. Um, it could be a byproduct. So I'm running out of cups here. So all these cups are full, you know, and there's just no more of God left, so that's unfortunate. But, um, but you know, God, God is... God appointed Jesus to be head over everything for the church, for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. He fills everything in every way. He just keeps pouring into people, and as he pours into individual lives in the church, I'm just pouring into cups, I'm not pouring into the bowl, but guess what happens? The bowl fills up, too, and the church fills up. And this piece of real estate starts glorifying Jesus in a more profound way and becoming a better inheritance for God to enjoy for all eternity. And so that's pretty awesome, and we're, we're almost out... And there's, there's just no, there's no, you, you cannot plumb the depths of God. There's more of God, everybody. There's more of God to be had in musical worship. There's more of God to be had in your home, in your children, in your life. And God's just filling this church. But God's intention was always that the church would be filled so that it would be a blessing to the whole world. And you know what? This little tray here is Saratoga Springs. And this is, and this is the whole world. And guys, just pouring out guy's a ridiculously liberal giver. Some of you type you know, type A people are like, you know, what's it gonna do? It's gonna make the stage moldy. You know God does love type A people, but it's just just how it is, you know. There's a place for you people. And yeah, th- I, I guess I better stop. Yeah. I think you, you get the point, okay? Jesus, when, when Jesus washed his disciples' feet, he said, um, he said as, as, as you see me doing, that's what you do. But see, the overflow of God's grace, I mean... Jesus, Jesus uh, forgives, us, forgives us of our sins, yeah, but then he gives us the righteousness of Christ. Those are, those are riches that are given to us are, are from Jesus, and uh, they just overflow out of our lives. When you fill a church with people that have that in their heart because God's revealed it to them, what God can do in the world is, is fantastic. And uh, this is the vision I think God has for New Life Fellowship, for 2016, that we would in every way grow into the head who is Christ, as each part does its work, as each cup is filled. Because God, God does work in group settings. Like there are times when revival happens, and like a whole church, because of no merit of anyone else, will just fall under the weight of God's glory, and people will be saved, and people will be healed, and God's manifest presence is coming close. People confess their sins. People are restored. Uh, but in a tip, and I pray for revival at New Life Fellowship. I pray that as a group. We would, be, we would be worshiping and praying and preaching and, and, all, and, and God's manifest presence would come and many miraculous, amazing things would happen. We had a season like that in 2006 of the year of Jubilee. That was a, a, t- a small taste of revival. Um, but what, what God typically does and what we need to take responsibility for is our cup. We need, as individuals who call this piece of real estate New Life Fellowship home, to, fill our, to ask the Spirit to fill our cups that we might know God better. Uh, and we need to surrender ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is our spiritual act of worship. Because when we do that as individuals, then the church fills up, then the church overflows. And then God's glory can't be contained. And, uh, and the whole community is ministered to. So this, 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 the challenge for this year, New Life, is that you just need to step it up. There's no way around it. You just need to step it up. Uh, you need to seek after God fervently, single-heartedly. We talked about in James, single-heartedly. So instead of being double-hearted, like I love my wife, I like looking at other women. Whatever, don't be don't be double-hearted. Don't be don't be double-minded. Be fervently single-hearted at seeking after God. You need to step it up. Um, and God promises that when we seek after Him, we will find Him. Okay, and He's talking about seeking after Him with everything we are. Uh, we are God's inheritance. We are the inheritance that God died in Christ. That God died and resurrected, that, we might, that he might fill this inheritance in every way uh, and give us all the wisdom and, and understanding to know him better in the spirit. We are God's inheritance and it's our responsibility as the church, as individuals in the church, to make sure that we are offering ourselves to God, that we might become the inheritance that is pleasing to God in the coming year. And that means offering everything in our lives to God. Everything. Everything. Our, and and you know this, this goes all the way from repentance, like secret sins and things we're, we're messed up with, uh, to things like not really seeking after God during the week at all, and then I come to church and hope for the best. Um, and God is merciful, and God does, does, does meet us when we're just hoping for the best. Um, it, it means anything from that to saying, everything belongs to God, I'm only his caretaker. God has called me to give financially to this church to contribute my money, my actual resources to this church, this local church, so that it can do the work that God's called it to do. And that's stewardship. It's, it's offering our resources before God, believing that He is the provider, that we are not our provider, that God is our provider. And that God, God promises that if we offer Him and trust Him with our money, He will bless us. Um, so that, and it, it's offering, and, and perhaps even more valuable than, than finances, I'm just going down this like hierarchy, more valuable than finances is your time. Um, Time. People would far, far rather write a check than spend their time serving God. You know. Uh, actually, this day and age, God's looking for your personality. God wants your personality in a cell group to be touching other people's personalities and helping them shape them into Christ. God is looking for to fill you with the Spirit and give you a spiritual gift that you might contribute to the body in some way, that you might serve in the body. And if, and, if, and if you have a spiritual gift or a calling that you don't see a place for in this body, talk to me and we'll create a place for it. Because this body, what you see on a Sunday morning, myself, worship team, worship mic, um, PowerPoint team, hospitality team, children's ministry team, that's not all there is. This is just all we have. You know, there's more that God wants to do with this church. And uh, your gifts, your talents, and your callings, you know, we need to create a place for you to use those and exercise those. Uh, and again, what we're doing is, from all the way from one end of the spectrum all the way down to the other, we're trying to become a, a better inheritance for God. And, and we are responding to the, the pouring out of Jesus into each of our lives, um, which profoundly equips us and over-equips us for the job that he has for us to do, that we might glorify God, that we might grow in health, that we might grow as, as, a, as a single church in Saratoga, that we might bless Saratoga and the world, and even bless the other churches in Saratoga. You know what my dream would be? is, is um, Instead of having a guest worship leader, which is great having a guest worship leader, Mike, instead of having a guest worship leader, I'd love to send guest worship leaders from this place to other churches to bless them and to help them. You know? Instead of um, you know, having just enough money to pay the bills, I'd like to be able to bless people and places in Saratoga Springs. Like, I want it to be be this overflow. And that's what the gospel is supposed to produce in our lives. So, whatever it means for you, step it up. Mike is going to come and he's going to play the Jesus Loves Me song again, which I didn't tell him about, but I really felt the Lord uh, putting this in. And just, you know what, this is not works righteousness by any means. Stepping it up means that you take hold of that for which God has taken hold of you. You know God's given you every resource that you need and equipped you, and if you don't have a resource, you need only ask God, who gives generously to all. Um, so as we sing this song, just enjoy your time lounging in God's love and grace, and think about how you can step it up and be the church in 2016. ...for just a little while, but uh, if you are equipped and ready to pray uh, for other people this morning um i'm looking at you all of you then uh let's make our way over to these couches anyone that wants to be prayed for this morning just to start this year in a different way come and be prayed for come and be prayed for why not god gives generously god is a ridiculously liberal giver of things he throws seed on rocky soil on pavement and on sand knowing with the full knowledge that he's throwing it on pavement and, and rocky soil where it's not going to grow he doesn't care God keeps throwing seeds he throws seeds and throws seeds ridiculous God has more for you God has more for this church God has more for Saratoga God has more for the world so come over if you either you want to be prayed for or, or receive prayer I guess if you want to pray for people sit on the couches and if you want to receive prayer go up and grab someone off the couches this is an atmosphere of ministry. Mike's going to play, and we're going to pray. So enjoy. For the rest of you who would like to grab coffee, fellowship is a, is a beautiful thing that glorifies God. Go in the lobby and do it. Fellowship, encourage one another. Uh, you are dispersed. Go and be the church, and some of us will pray together.